You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, hey, good morning. Hey, great to be with you guys. So, Pastor Jonathan, we are awaiting some good news for the North Valley campus update. So, did you like the news video? That was pretty crazy. Put yeah. that together on the iPhone. Uh, that, that was... That was fun. Manager Jack of all trades, master of none. I did that video. But tell us about um, what, what's going on with the campus. Uh, what's, what's our, where are we at? Yeah, guys, great news. Um, and well, it's always different kinds of news, right? So we don't have a campus that quite looks like that picture yet, but we're well on our way there. And so it's been fun, a fun ride. I'm sure you guys have experienced too, but we've hit some bumps here and there. But um, this past week, we uh, needed to transition our construction team. So we have a brand new team. The good news is that um, the, the main guy, Jerry Patton, has been um, consulting with us for free um, since November timeframe. And so he's well aware of the project. And uh, we transitioned this week. And so we're up and running. And they'll be um, on their way to getting some things done here shortly. And the cool story about Jerry is that uh, he is, they've got a father-son business uh, together. And so uh, he's phasing it, uh, fa- investing into his kid's life and watching him take over the business. Uh, Jerry was responsible for uh, helping build East Valley Bible Church, uh, their construction team, as well as building out Northwest Christian Academy, as well as all the CCV church, church campuses that you see around the valley. And so the very experienced team, and yeah, we made that transition. So construction starts when? This week, Wednesday, Woo! February 1st, all right? Yeah, we're real excited. I mean, they have some ramp-up things that they need to do as it's uh, just, we just made that transition this uh, last week, but um, their team will be out there Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. We're going to cool. get going. We'll start by taking some things down first, right? A little bit of demolition, and then we'll get busy on the construction so side. So based on what we know now, when should we be on site, did you say? Yeah, great. So based on what we know now, um, we're working hard to hit Easter. So at some level, we'll be on site for Easter services. We don't know exactly how far along each building may be, but uh, we'll be on site at some level for Easter services. Good. That's awesome. Let's celebrate that. Yeah. That's exciting. Okay, so how can we help out as a church right now? Yeah, great question. Again, uh, guys, first thing is pray. Join us in prayer for the project. Join us in prayer for the people. Um, And then uh, we invite you guys to come join us. Wednesday, 7 a.m., Pastor Ryan and I will be out on campus. We're going to meet the construction team. Uh, We're going to do a little bit of work. And so if you're free, we invite you to come join us Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. We'll be doing some hauling and some demo work. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let me pray for uh, Pastor Jonathan and just all that's going on in the church. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the great news update. God, I know uh, that as we prepare to get on that campus, uh, we need 30 new volunteers for the ministry ahead. Um, I pray, God, that you would uh, um, even send out some volunteers this Wednesday to show up and be a part of that. Uh, Lord, do your work uh, in our hearts, in our homes, uh, in this valley, uh, establishing this church on a, in a, on a campus uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's celebrate again. That's awesome.
All right. Well, guys, we're starting a brand new uh, message uh, series this morning called Love and Marriage. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up in the Song of Songs. This perhaps is probably one of my favorite uh, books as it helps, uh, helps give orientation and brings back a season and a memory for uh, Leslie and I when we first started uh, dating. And so through this series, uh, what my encouragement to you is to uh, realize this is really what uh, Romans, the, the book of Romans does for theology and understanding righteousness. The Song of Songs does uh, for relationships. It is so rich in understanding uh, the, 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 the re- relationship between a man and a woman. And I think right now in, a, in culture, uh, this understanding uh, what a relationship looks like between a man and a woman and this God-given institution called marriage, this is so, so important. Uh, for those of you that are single and you really don't have aspirations for being married or you were married and uh, your loved one passed on, let this be a ministry reminder to help uh, invest into the uh, future rising generation to give a biblical paradigm and a vision for what marriage should look like. Uh, Additionally, uh, those of you that are single, 90% of you that are single uh, will be married. And so um, for those of you that are married, this is gonna be a great series to help deepen and strengthen your uh, marriage relationship. The way we're going to handle uh, this uh, book is to take it as a historical record uh, of a, a, a relationship between Solomon and this beloved that he falls in love with. And so um, King Solomon is the king of Israel. The, the book was written uh, about 960 years before the time of Christ. Uh, Solomon is a king that reigns over Israel like the shepherd king. Solomon's dad was a King David. Uh, Solomon is going to have a 40-year reign in Israel, and he is by far the wealthiest and the wisest king uh, in his day and time. And so what we're going to see is Solomon's incredible uh, wisdom. He is the author of Proverbs as well as Ecclesiastes and in the Song of Songs. And so um, this morning, what I thought I would do is I was looking back over the weekend and, and prepping for this message it was funny, I decided to pull out some of my uh, journal entries uh, of, for Leslie and I when we started dating. And it was really funny because this little uh, book I picked up at Walmart or whatever, it, uh, about nine months, I filled the whole book. And so like I'm writing all the time and this is 14 years ago. And it was funny. And then I looked at the next book when uh, Leslie and I were married and it was five year stretch. So I quit journaling once I got married because I was busy taking care of the house, working and changing diapers. Uh, But it's funny, I captured everything right here. I wanna read to you uh, just this little journal entry about this beginning stages um, where I was really deeply attracted to Leslie, but uh, trying to take it step by step. Uh, This is in uh, May of 2002. I said, God, I've got questions uh, for Leslie and I, or or should we be together or not? We're up and down, yay or nay, what do you think? God, I've got questions about what happens after school when I graduate college. Uh, What should I do, go into ministry or go into business? Uh, These are questions, God, that I prayerfully need to consider, and I really have enjoyed my time with this girl, Leslie. She is so fun. And I look forward to uh, furthering our, listen, friendship. She is such a great friend. It's a friendship with what I would call an above average potential for dating. You know, like, what is that? 
we are friends, but with an above average potential for dating. I think I was in statistic courses or something at that time. Um, we have agreed not to spend one-on-one time together um, because I have, uh, I was a, a new believer. Um, I didn't always, I did not do, my, my relational track record up to this point was all train wrecks. And I needed God's grace and mercy, and I needed a fresh vision for God's word. And I was terrified to do relationships wrong. And so I continued on, and I said, I want to ensure, um, you know, uh, we have agreed not to spend one-on-one time together. Uh, I want to ensure that this happens so I don't mess up and and fall into temptation. Uh, Help me, Lord. Keep me on track. I want to kiss her, if I'm honest. I want to kiss her a lot. Uh, but I need to follow your heart and lead, and the timing is important, and I want to encourage and bless her and lead her with the kind of love you have in me. Um, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be telling you some of the stories between our, our relationship as well. Um, the Song of Songs was the template. Uh, when I read the Song of Songs, it takes me back 14 years ago to when I first met Leslie. Um, my hope and encouragement to you is let's, let's look at this incredible book of love and marriage and see it and follow the, the chronological historical uh, record of uh, this relationship between Solomon and his uh, beloved. Would you stand and I'm going to read the word uh, this morning. Solomon's song of songs, it literally means the superlative or the best. And so... Uh, He's the author, and, and then he records this Hebrew poetry um, of this dialogue and conversation of his beloved. This is the girl he's fallen in love with. Uh, she, by all accounts, is likely a peasant girl um, who works in a vineyard, and Solomon is this prestigious king that has a great reputation, and uh, he records this. This is the beloved speaking this peasant uh, girl who is falling in love with Solomon. And she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes and your name is like perfume poured out. And no wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you and let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. And the friends respond and say, we rejoice and we delight in you. We, we will praise your love more than wine. She responds and she says, how right they are to adore you. Dark am I yet lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I've neglected. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may, may be seated. Heavenly Father, uh, we ask for your wisdom and guidance, Lord, in uh, this time. Orient our hearts towards a biblical vision for love, dating, uh, marriage, deepening, and working through conflict, getting through it. God, and we call upon your name above all names to so give us this insight. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. 
When a godly woman is attracted to a man, uh, there are several things that happen. This morning, what we're going to look at is uh, this beloved. Uh, we're going to notice the first thing she uses words of affirmation. She speaks often. She speaks first. She speaks a lot. And so as we get into this, you, you, you need to know, guys and gals, this isn't a good time for you when you hear this incredible woman uh, being used in an example. And some scholars even believe she's the woman in Proverbs 31, uh, this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful woman. Uh, guys, this is not your chance to say amen and then like nudge your spouse, be like, you should do that. Uh, or uh, gals for you to say, yeah, get with the program to your uh, husband. Um, and uh, so here's what we're going to see. She uses words of affirmation. The first thing she says, she's very forward. And she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. Um, she sees that uh, his love is such a way that is, it brings fun, excitement, and she says, uh, your love is more delightful than wine. Wine would have been used in a celebrative uh, experience when you go out on a date and you uh, oftentimes in a very special date, you, there's wine involved. And so here she says, she's very forward in affirming that she is attracted to him physically. And she says, let him... Uh, let him uh, uh, come and kiss me. Uh, it's really interesting that she says, she didn't say, I want to kiss him or I will kiss him, but she says, let him do that. This would have been a very affectionate kiss. It's not just a kiss on the cheek, it's a kiss on the mouth. And uh, the reality is, is that she's physically attracted to him. She's going to affirm him constantly. Um, Guys, this is something uh, I know that you appreciate is being affirmed uh, for who you are, your masculinity, that you're uh, desired by your spouse. This is what she does. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love. She speaks to him as more delightful than wine. Early on in my journey in the relationship with Leslie, what stood out to uh, uh, with Leslie is that she was so verbally affirming to me as a person. Um, I was attracted to her. She was attracted to me. I have to be honest. The first thing that caught my eye with Leslie wasn't like her godly character because I didn't really know it. She was just good looking. And I said, wow, she's, she's really good looking. And uh, I said, I was thinking, man, she's hot. And uh, I found out later, like she was like, and he's not, you know, um, <laughs> I had long hair and a ponytail and she didn't like it. I found out and I went to uh, New York with one of my friends on a spring break re retreat and I was like, cut it all off. You know, Leslie doesn't like it. Um, but she was very affirming, encouraging to me as a person, supportive. I remember she'd always ask, you know, what are your hopes, your dreams? Um, she would say, you know, I was involved in ministry and she got involved in ministry and she affirmed me. She said, you do a really good job teaching those uh, youth. You do a good job working with the single adults. And, and she was affirming. And that's exactly what we see this woman doing is she verbally affirms her man. Secondly, we see that she cares about his name and reputation. Uh, name and reputation is incredibly important uh, in this culture, in this time. Um, she says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Those are like colognes. Uh, guys, here is the first uh, Hebrew essential oils right here. Uh, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name, and she uses similes a lot in uh, metaphors. She says, your name is like this perfume. It's poured out. There's this, uh, it precedes him. Uh, Solomon's got a big reputation. 
He's the king of Israel. Uh, he leads a nation. He's the wealthiest and he's the wisest. And she says, no wonder the maidens love you. But she's not just attracted to his physical uh, looks, how good he smells, or, but she's attracted as well to his name. A name is a, a person's character. It's a reputation. Um, you know, growing up in, in Little Rock, my dad would always tell me, son, your name is really, really important. You know, this is uh, the Rice family. Uh, when I left Little Rock and I went out and did uh, different uh, ministry projects, I sought the endorsement of specific people that had a name and a reputation. Uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, I had the privilege to be underneath the uh, uh, teaching and the guidance of Dennis Rainey, who's the president of Family Life. Um, I sought him to be on my, our advisory board as we sought, out, sought to take next steps of leaving Little Rock at Fellowship Bible Church to go uh, do Dallas, take a, get some theological training at Dallas Seminary. Uh, I, th- I sought the endorsement of Kevin Palau, uh, the president of Palau Ministries, um, and a number of other guys. And the reason why was because they had a name and a reputation. And a name in this culture, in this context, is a very important, powerful thing. And she recognizes that, that she's not just attracted to his physical looks or how good he smells, but his name. Name is really, really important. And it's interesting, ladies, when you get married, you inherit the last name. Uh, when I was dating Leslie, I was sitting in the car one time and uh, we were not even having the conversations fully about getting married or anything like that, but things were moving quick and we were real excited. And I look down as I'm getting out of her car and I see this piece of paper and, it's, and I can see my last name on the piece of paper. And I said, huh, what's this? It was in handwriting. And she goes, nothing, give that to me. And I said, no, no, no let me open it up. And I started to open it up. She goes, give that to me. And uh, I go ahead and open it up, and there's 150 names. It says, Leslie Ray Rice. She signed her the name with my last name on her name. And she snatched it out of my hand, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I said, wow, things are moving fast. You got my last name already. She's like, well, I was just practicing. I was like, well, that's awesome. I'm glad you love me. So... Uh, you know, a name is really, really important. And um, here's what the proverb says about a name. A good name, that's to be chosen rather than great riches and favors better than silver or gold. A name is a person's reputation. What is your name like? Some of you need a do-over in your marriage or your family, and then your name is mud. The good news is, is it somebody laughed and says, yeah. Uh, the, the good news is that God redeems and can change names. And oftentimes that's what he does, doesn't he? The apostle Paul was earlier called Saul. And so Simon is Peter. And God's in charge of helping us uh, develop that character and that name. And so for you, you need to understand when it comes to the art of attraction and attracting uh, the opposite sex, your name and your reputation are about your character. And that's really, really important. Uh, when it comes to uh, a good name, that's to be the, the more high-valued thing that you're looking for and seeking to cultivate in your existing relationship in your marriage rather than trying to just uh, pursue great riches, as the proverb says, or just favor and influence. Here's what I want to encourage you about character. Character is something that you won't build in a day, but rather it will be built daily. Your daily decisions about your character, your integrity, the person you are, are you forgiving, are you loving, 
Are you honest? Are you fair? Character is something that, is, is, that we should pursue and cultivate. She's not simply attracted to his good looks. She's attracted to his character, to his name and his reputation. Third thing that we're going to see with a godly woman is attracted to a godly man. She desires intimacy. This is a very natural and normal thing. God made it that way. Um, in the very beginning in, in Genesis, we see that a man shall leave his parents' household and the two and cleave to his new wife and the two shall become what? One. God designed it in a way, what's really cool is that in a uh, monogamous relationship that there is this uh, beautiful fitting together that brings incredible intimacy and we procreate and fill the earth as we experience intimacy in in a marriage relationship. And so what we see here is that she desires intimacy, but what's really cool about the Song of Songs, uh, when it comes to uh, love, sex, dating, uh, the sex part and the marriage part and the intimacy part, there's not talk about the procreation. It's actually not about making more kids and filling the earth uh, with kids. It actually is discussed and highlighted as God's pleasure uh, and how God has made uh, us uh, to desire intimacy and oneness and to experience a a sense of joy and pleasure. Um, She says, she's honest, and she says, "'Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers.'" She literally has this desire to be physically one with her man. She calls him a king. There's that Cinderella-ish kind of paradigm that we could think of. She's this uh, peasant girl working in these vineyards and King Solomon, great name, great reputation, and she desires him. And there's nothing wrong with that desire. Solomon will come back, we'll see in chapter two and three, and he'll caution, say, well, let's not awaken love until it's ready. And uh, so what we're going to see here this morning is that there's this important need in, um, in, in just pacing things out, but desire of oneness is a normal and natural thing. In your marriage, there is this intimacy that can be experienced. Uh, there's a physical intimacy. That's really, really important. And, and the Song of Songs will uh, show us that. And that's why we've rated this PG-13 as the, as the storyline of love develops. They will be married and then they will, they will um, talk about the intimacy between a man and a woman in a, in a marriage relationship. It's so important uh, for you married couples that you cultivate intimacy on a physical level. Um, that idea of oneness of being in the marriage relationship, physical intimacy is a really critical part of that. Um, But there's also emotional intimacy and and she feels, you're going to see she is emotionally uh, affirmed and affirming in the relationship. And uh, this happens in dating relationships and can happen in the marriage relationship as well. And then there's this spiritual intimacy that uh, she cultivates and she loves and she wants to see as well. So fourth thing we're going to see this morning is this, is that when a godly woman is attracted to a man, she has a support of godly friends. Uh, They say, we rejoice and we delight in you, uh, beloved. We're excited, in other words, about your relationship with with Solomon. We will praise your love more than wine. Uh, Let me ask you a question uh, for those of you that are dating. Do you have support of godly friends that affirm the relationship? God will often use uh, godly friends to help confirm calling and direction in a marriage relationship. 
God will often use godly friends to help encourage and exhort you, those of you that are married. Uh, she has support of godly friends encouraging, affirming her, and they, and, and they praise that relationship. The fifth thing we're going to see is that she has a healthy self-image. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't think that she's the beautiful, most beautiful girl in all of Israel, uh, the top pick among Solomon's uh, choices. She says, how right they are to adore you, dark am I, yet lovely. Uh, to be dark, and, and for her, she was a uh, racially ethnic Jew, which would have had a tan olive complexion, uh, would have meant that she would have been likely working in the sun a whole, whole lot. And that's exactly what it says. She says, oh, daughters of Jerusalem, di- dark like the tents of Kedar. The, the people of Kedar were a nomadic people that would travel around and they had set up portable dark tents uh, that were made out of goat hair, literally. She's not saying my skin's like goat hair, uh, but she's saying uh, I am dark like that. And then she furthers like the curtains of Solomon. And she says, verse six, do not stare at me because I'm dark, because I am darkened by the sun. So she's expressing a struggle with uh, potential insecurity a little bit about herself. But remember, she said she's lovely. Uh, She says, my mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards, my own vineyard I have neglected. She literally would have worked on a family, uh, in a family business. Uh, her father's not mentioned. It's very likely her dad um, uh, died early on, and she has to take care of the family vineyard with her brothers and her mom. And she worked really, really hard. Uh, and she's darkened by the sun. This girl has a very healthy self-image. Um, she doesn't see herself as the most beautiful person in the whole world, but she knows she's lovely. And she knows that also because uh, Solomon has spoken that into her. He will call her lovely multiple times throughout the, the, this uh, book. So let me talk to you about looks versus character. This is what Proverbs says. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Three things about looks and character. Number one, looks don't last. Uh, looks will change. You know, when I, when I first got married, man, I felt like I worked out all the time. I worked really hard at being physically fit. I was really highly motivated. Uh, I had lots of hair, so much hair I had to cut it off. And uh, now I'm losing all my hair. And so I don't have to worry about that. Uh, I was working out all the time. I wanted to look good for Leslie. And then I find out that I'm like sitting there, uh, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, man, things are just changing in my body. I used to have like a six pack. Now I got like a big one pack just walking around. And... uh, Looks don't last. And this is exactly what Proverbs says. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Looks are deceiving. We think that if we can have the most beautiful person in the world, that we're going to be happy. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Where are the most beautiful people in the world? Uh, At least in the United States. You, You think about it, and a lot of that is in Hollywood. You see the most pretty people there, right? California sun is just shining, and it is a beautiful place. All the girls look great. All the guys look great. Let me ask you another question. Where are the worst marriages in the world? Hollywood. Looks are deceiving. A lot of times we think if we can have the most beautiful person in the world, we're going to be happy. Looks are absolutely deceiving. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. Uh, Thirdly, looks are canceled out by character. What you need more than anything to attract the right person is a person of character and be a person of character. Be a person who loves God, who believes in the forgiveness that Christ offers and model that in your relationship. Starting that, cultivating that daily relationship with Jesus Christ and then being a friend to other people. 
character is doesn't happen in a day, but it can happen that you cultivate it daily. Looks are canceled out by character. This gal uh, acknowledges that character is more important. She says, your name is really, really important. What, a, what does a godly man find attractive in a woman? We're gonna see Solomon helps us to gain some understanding here too. Number one, godly men are attracted to women that are respectful. Um, respectful, what do I mean by that? Uh, uh, this beloved, she was very respectful about Solomon. She acknowledged his name. She even uses the name king because he is a king. Uh, she understands his position, his leadership, his authority. Uh, she understands he's a shepherd king. Uh, she also under, she has a respect for even her family. While it's not an easy situation where maybe her dad had passed away, she's gonna be a, a woman of character and have enough respect for her family to work on the family farm and work in the vineyard. She's a respectful gal. And ladies, this is really, really important that you cultivate a respect, a healthy respect for yourself, a healthy respect towards God, a healthy respect towards other people, and this is what uh, I found it really encouraging in a book called Real Marriage. Grace Driscoll will help uh, explain what respect is. She says, respect is to regard or to notice. It's to honor, prefer, defer, to encourage or admire. She wrote a whole chapter on what it looks like to be a respectful wife. I'd encourage you to read that because uh, if you're not respectful, you are disrespectful. Uh, and disrespect in the Bible is a, a, a damaging, dangerous uh, way to act and, and live in a, in a relationship. Here's what the Proverbs say, better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Now, this is the part where you guys don't nudge and say, that's you, baby, that's you. And I'm like blowing up over here, so. Uh, better to live in a desert with it than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Um, this is a it can wear a relationship out, constantly quarreling, fighting, or nagging. And uh, what we're gonna see is this, Solomon is attracted to this gal because she is respectful. Um, she honors his name. She respects him as an individual and as a person and as a man. Um, additionally, we're gonna see that godly men are attracted to women with a good work ethic. Uh, this gal has a great work ethic. She has been working in the family vineyard and her mother's sons, that would be her brothers, uh, were likely putting pressure on her to work a lot. She's already insecure at some level, but she's just natural and normal, uh, especially with, imagine the pressure of, with Solomon and his uh, incredible influence as the wisest and the wealthiest around. Um, but she says, uh, my mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. She could be exaggerating, but nonetheless, she chooses to do it. And she says, my own vineyard I have neglected. Uh, at the very personal expense of herself, she's sacrificial and uh, uh, she's a servant. Godly men are attracted to women with a good work ethic. I remember when Leslie and I were dating, uh, she would get off of work. She was a waitress at Red Lobster in, in Little Rock. And I'd always uh, show up at her work and man, they have some really good like hot biscuits. And I would order those because I was broke and that's all I could get. Yeah, I'll just take some biscuits and uh, spend time with her. And then I would wait till she was off and then we would go and work together in the church. And then after church, uh, we would, after working together in the church, uh, we would go and we would study uh, in college. And 
we worked really hard. I mean, all the time. And what I loved about Leslie, I thought if she can work hard in life, then when things go get hard and tough, potentially in a marriage, she'd be able to hang with it. And uh, she has. She, we've got three kids, um, two biological children, Sam and Riley, and then we have Maya. And uh, parenting, as you know, is hard work. Marriage is hard work. Um, but it's worth it, isn't it? Good marriages mean that require hard work. You got to keep working at it. This woman had a great work ethic, and Solomon uh, is attracted to that. Thirdly, we're going to see that godly men are attracted to women that cultivate friendships. Um, not just a friendship with, the, with uh, himself, but also a friendship with other girls. Um, it's really important, guys, um, that when you are looking for a girl, that she has friends, uh, girlfriends. Uh, because those girlfriends are going to be important later in life when you get married to help encourage. Because you're not always going to be there all the time. And the truth is, is that... Uh, um, you need a, the friendship is also the foundation of a good marriage. Uh, there's all sorts of ways you could look at it, but the best kind of marriage that you could have is, is a friendship marriage, not a partnership marriage where she does 50%, you do 50%, and it's some contractual agreement. But no, it's a genuine friend that you love, that you care for. Uh, for Leslie and I, um, we seek to, on every Friday, just to take time off, um, my weekend starts on Friday and I get to take Saturday off. I work Sunday through Thursday. Um, on Friday, it's kind of like my Sabbath. It's my rest time. And so Leslie and I spend the time together. We pray, we read the Bible. Um, we go and we'll go mountain biking or we'll go hiking. And we're focusing on that friendship. And what was so fun to see is I started doing this journal reflection stuff and I started charting it back as we cultivated that early in the dating relationship. Some of you are here today in your marriage and you're very distant. You're not a friend. It's not like a friendship anymore. It's like a roommate. And what God says is, remember this, is the first friendship that's most important is a friendship with Jesus Christ. And then you take that friendship and you experience everything that God has to give you and you, and you share it with your spouse. And in fact, the marriage is a reflection of how God loves the church. And so you love like he loves, you forgive like he forgives, you respect like he respects. Like that's, that's the, you, you respect like the church respects Christ. And so there's this modeling of friendship that's really, really important that we see in, in the Song of Songs. Godly men are attracted to women that cultivate not just a friendship uh, with uh, the, the lover, but also friendships with other people. Uh, she wants this friendship with him. And she says, as tell me you, this is, tell me you, Solomon, whom I love. She loves him. She says, where, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Now, very likely she's using uh, Hebrew poetry to help uh, expand and give a metaphor. Very likely he was not tending sheep. This is the wisest and the wealthiest king of the nation of Israel. And, uh, but he is a shepherd king. He oversees his people. Uh, and so here's, here's what she's saying is she's saying, I want to spend time with you. I want to cultivate the friendship. I, I know that you care about quality time. I care about quality time. And maybe in the middle of your workday, whatever's going on midday, I'd like to know where you're at because I want to spend time with you. 
uh, when Leslie and I were dating, she would often, uh, in the early times of our marriage uh, or in our dating relationship, she would uh, ask, maybe could we meet up on the college campus? And in the middle of the college campus, there was this big grass square and a fountain. We would sit down and have a picnic and just talk about what was going on. Those kind of habits are super healthy to form, not only in a dating relationship, but cultivating that continually in a marriage relationship. Some of you might need to do some heart work and ask for forgiveness for neglecting the friendship in your marriage. And God's grace is always available. You can go and access to him anytime. And you can petition him, the high king of heaven, and he gives grace and mercy new every day. And so you go to him and say, God, forgive me for not being a better friend to my spouse. You know, she, she loves uh, Solomon, this gal. And, uh, but she loves the friendship. The, one of the most important things that you're going to have that's going to survive the test of time is a friend. Um, my grandfather is down in Dallas right now, and he is nearing the end of his life. Probably in the next 12 months, he will pass on and be with the Lord. And uh, I'll be down in Dallas being a part of that funeral. And uh, he met, um, Lee is my grandmother's name, at the Grand Canyon. He was uh, passing through from California, headed back to Dallas, and he stopped off and, uh, at the Grand Canyon. There was this beautiful woman, and, uh, and he, he had to come up with some scheme to like get her number or whatever, get her contact information. And he says, hey, would, would you mind if you just take a picture of me at the Grand Canyon? And then he sees somebody else and goes, well, he really just moves in right now with this. He sees somebody else and goes, hey, you're over here. Um, and she says to my future grandmother, he says, and you're just so beautiful. Maybe you could stand beside me. And sure enough, they get a picture together and boom, voila. Then my dad's, you know, the marriage comes and my dad's born and here I am. Uh, but he told me when she died, his best friend died. He said, she was my best friend. I don't know what your marriage looks like, uh, but the person that you ought to be the closest to in life is your spouse. Uh, guys, those of you that are dating other girls and ladies, you're dating men. If you don't got a friendship, you don't got a foundation. Friendship is so, so important. Yeah, the physical attraction is great. It's great. You need to be physically attracted. Um, but a person, you know, and what makes a person beautiful and awesome friend is do they love the Lord? Do they genuinely have a friendship with Jesus Christ? Do they care about God's word? Are they really a person of character? And that's something that you can't just take their word for it and rush things off quick. Encourage you to check them out. Check their friends on Facebook and see what their friends do. Do a little creeper stalk on them and see what's going on. Do character checks on these people. You know, uh, the, the uh, onslaught of online dating, I'm not against that at all, but um, you can write your own profiles, you know? Uh, but character is what's important. And then cultivating that friendship. And you can blur things up and mess things up by getting physical way too fast. Um, friendship takes a very strong, prominent role in this relationship that we're gonna see between Solomon and his beloved. Ladies, I wanna encourage you, you are not wrong at all to desire greater friendship with your, uh, your uh, boyfriend or your husband. Um, guys, you may feel like you have dropped the ball in that area and uh, there's absolutely grace and mercy every single new day. Let this be a beginning point for you. 
Um, some of you just feel the hurt and the pain of, and betrayal of maybe not feeling that friendship. And I encourage you to have honest conversations with um, your loved one and, and share your desire to cultivate a stronger friendship. Go back to the things that what brought you together in the friendship uh, season of your life. Cultivate those things on a daily basis. Number four, godly men are attracted to women with a biblical convictions. Um, you know, a, this is what she says. She says, why should I uh, be like a veiled woman uh, beside the flocks of your friends? Um, what was likely going on there is uh, she's talking about the, uh, the, the metaphor when, when shepherds are out in the fields, they're often nomadic people. They travel through hired hands to take care of sheep. And along those lines was uh, there's always money to be made uh, when you find people that are traveling and bustling through towns. And so uh, women, prostitutes, would come veiled and they would approach the shepherds. And, um, you know, in, even in today's society, when we go and you see all these major truck stops, uh, there's this... Um, there, there, there's a, you see, what do you notice next to the truck shops? shops there's, there's porn stores. Like because people are just traveling through and they can compromise their character and nobody will know. Uh, then they, they have a term for uh, prostitutes that are in the truck stops and they call them lot lizards. Never heard of that before. Strange, huh? But what she's saying is she's saying, I'm not at all this prostitute. I'm not at all this person that you think that I could just be veiled. I'm not gonna compromise my convictions uh, godly men are attracted to women with biblical convictions. Ladies, if you say no, hands off, um, and your man, this man uh, that you're dating is pressing you physically, that's not the kind of man you want to be with. Because a godly man's attracted to a woman with biblical convictions. Now, she will, by nature, she's going to express her desire for her man. But Solomon and her friends will say, hey, let's not awaken love until it's ready. And so here's what I want to encourage you in departing today is I want to encourage you to focus on cultivating the friendship. And what I mean by that is the friendship first with Jesus Christ and the second is your friendship with either your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife. That is the most important thing is that you have a friendship. Uh, is when it comes to um, being attracted to Leslie for me, um, I find her physically beautiful. I think she's a godly, wonderful girl. I love her character. I love seeing her change. And what helps me be close to her is that when we cultivate that friendship every single week, every single day, one of my greatest excitements I told her uh, right now in our marriage relationship is that we get up on a, uh, almost a daily basis and spend just a little time together doing a devotional. And then I say to her, how can I pray for you? Because you're, you're, you're my closest friend, my closest uh, girl, sweet, sweet girlfriend. And you're like, you better not have a bunch of other girlfriends. Of course not. And then she says to me, how can I pray for you? Uh, I want to read you this uh, journal entry in closing. I'm going to invite the band up. Um, I, I wrote this down to, I went to a wedding down in Dallas in 2002. And Leslie and I just started um, the relationship. And I said, I'm in Dallas and this one of my friends, family friends, Renee Minrith is getting married 
and uh, tomorrow. And the years sure have gone by fast and man, things are changing fast. I'm wondering if I'm gonna ever be married. I'm thinking about this one girl who has my attention right now more than anybody. Her name is Leslie, a girl who really cares for me and is open, straightforward with me. She is by far the best all around girl I've ever met. I've dated, uh, I've ever dated. With her, there's no games. Spiritually, she's growing. She loves Jesus. She knows what respect and forgiveness and love uh, looks like. Uh, she's physically attractive, and she is a great, great friend. Greatest thing that you're going to have in a dating relationship or in a marriage is a great friend. I pray that you would pursue that, cultivate that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Give us great insight, Lord, as we look into the life of Solomon and his beloved as to what it looks like to really cultivate love and marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.